Hey there, friend. I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers Podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Well, hey there, friend. Welcome to another episode of Spark Chasers. I'm your host, Susan Riley, and today I'm excited to share some insider information with you about arts integration. You know, after doing this work for almost a decade and being in education for over two decades, I have seen lots of ways of approaching arts integration. And to be honest, some are good and some are just plain dangerous. <laughs> so today we're diving into the five mistakes that teachers make with arts integration and how you can avoid them. Now, one way to avoid these mistakes for sure is through our arts integration certification program. We train hundreds of educators every year how to use a proven approach to arts integration that builds creativity, increases student achievement, and supports teacher empowerment. And enrollment is open for certification right now. So if you're curious and want to learn more, I definitely want to encourage you to check it out over at artsintegration.com forward slash certification. Now, before I dig into these five mistakes, I want to share with you a little story. Back in 2009, I was in the middle of my master's degree in education administration, and I was also super burnout as a music educator. It felt like no one really valued the arts in my building, and yet I knew it was a place that students thrived. So for my master's program, I decided to conduct my action research on using arts integration in a school. Now, during this time, I was working on just figuring out what arts integration was, how to lead it in a school, what worked and what didn't. Nobody had done this before in my district or really in my state. I did find some schools that were using it, definitely using it, but people weren't really strategically leading it at the time, nor were they really documenting it. So it was hard to figure out, right? Throughout this period of time, I started a blog called Education Closet, which is now the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. And it was meant as a way to document what was going on for us, because I thought, you know what? Nobody's sharing what works and what doesn't. That's how I started. That's how this whole institute began, as me just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. This became kind of like a lab for me. So in 2009, at our school, the reason why arts integration became really important for us was because on the surface, everything seemed to be doing really well. Our test scores were amazing and our students seemed happy. So why arts integration, right? Well, just patience, grasshopper, stay with me here. At the time, as I said, I was the music teacher, so scores didn't really affect me, right? Except that our whole school was focused on scores because our whole district was focused on scores because our entire state and nation was focused on scores. So of course it impacted me as the music teacher. But I was also in the middle of my grad program and I was studying about arts integration. So I went back and I was looking at those scores going, man, is arts integration even something we have time for or is something that anybody's gonna buy into? Do we have to do anything to increase these scores? Other than, you know, first world problems of increasing reading scores by 3% because we were at 95%. Right? But under the surface of those numbers, there was a real problem. 
our overall scores looked phenomenal. But the real story was that in math and reading for special education, our students were scoring at 55%. And for anybody who was not Caucasian, we were at 75%. There was a gap of 20 to 40% between our special ed and minority students and everybody else. Now this is embedded in the overall score, right? It was kind of hiding there. The other thing that was interesting is that we started to see that students who were gifted and talented were actually slipping in their scores year over year. So we had this whole phenomenon of moving towards the middle. So my proposal to my principal at the time was, let's give arts integration a try and see if it impacts these groups that seem to have gone forgotten or that we've buried somewhere in all of this wonderful data that we share with everybody else. So my then principal is a fantastic guy named John Beerus. He is wonderful. And he, so he says to me, you know what? Go ahead, give it a try. Let's see what happens. So we did, and in one year, my friends, our overall scores went up a whole 1%. Woohoo, right? But let's dig into the scores in math and reading for special ed and math and reading for minorities at that same time. So that went from 75% for our minority to 75% from 55% for our special ed students. And for our uh, minority students at the time, the scores went up to 89% from 75%. So across the board, we're looking at an average 15 to 20% increase. And my friends, this was just a pilot that we did. We only did this in like five classrooms throughout the school. So the second year that we did this, we did it for the whole school. And I share these numbers with you because those numbers, that journey, what we worked on in that year and beyond led me to becoming Maryland's first district-wide arts integration specialist. I actually left my position at that elementary school and moved into a district-wide arts integration specialist position for an enti entire county in our state, which was the first position of its kind. And it's because we started to see those numbers and we started documenting those that process. And so since then, I've been invited to speak at the U.S. Department of Ed. I've worked with schools in all 50 states. And the Institute now reaches 250,000 people every single month. So when you ask, is there a need for arts integration? Is this possible? Does it exist? Is it something that can be used during a pandemic? Yes. <laughs> yes, it exists. Yes, you. there is a need for arts integration. Yes, it's possible even during a pandemic. So even more than the success story that I just shared here, the real magic is what happens in between from where you start to where you go next. So I want to share with you some of the mistakes that I made in that journey that I just described that I see a lot of schools making, a lot of teachers and leaders making that I want you to be able to avoid because it took me so much longer, right? My journey took way longer than it should have had I known these mistakes, which is the purpose for today. So this episode is gonna be a little bit longer, but I promise you it's gonna be so actionable. You're gonna be able to take these ideas and immediately use them and save yourself so much time. Ready? All right, so mistake number one is waiting for permission. Right? It's waiting for others to buy in and get excited or to tell you it's okay for people to kind of join in. I think when we start, we have so much energy for arts integration. We have so much passion for integrating with STEAM and arts integration that we feel like others are just going to flock to us. Like, come little birdies, like this is going to work and we're, we can join together and do this. But that doesn't happen. 
people get scared and they get nervous. And sometimes we start this and nobody joins in. It's like we're hitting our heads against the wall and it's so frustrating. So my first tip for that is ways to build momentum is to show, not tell. Here's what I mean by that. When I started that first year, we started with a book club. I know none of you have ever done a book club at your school, right? (laughs) This is a PD that we always use. So we did a book study and I chose a book that was highly recommended on Amazon. It's a great book. I've read it several times actually called Renaissance in the Classroom. But for a starter, for somebody who's just starting out in their building and they have no clue about arts integration, and that's where we were, and I was trying to convince people to come on board, it was the totally wrong book to choose because they had these massive nine-week projects in there. They're awesome projects, but when you're trying to build buy-in for people, they're looking at these huge projects and looking at the amount of time that it takes, right? And I literally had a teacher throw the book back at me during a meeting. Like she threw it at me and said, I can't do this. How am I expected to assess something that I don't know anything about? And then I had the art teacher tell me, I can't do this. I don't have enough supplies for this. And who's going to pay for that? And it was just back and forth. It was awful. And by the way, these were ladies that I had great relationships with, right? (laughs) Can you imagine this with people that you're not exactly on the best terms with, right? What I figured out, though, is that we needed to take a field trip to see some schools. Like I said, there were schools in our state that were doing this. It was just not being documented and shared um, as widely as some things are being shared now. So there were two schools that were within a 45-minute drive of us, and I called them up. They were using arts integration, and I just said, hey, can we come visit you? One of them was doing really, really great, and the other one was just kind of in the middle of their journey. So we, we went and we visited both schools. They were so generous to allow us to come in and kind of observe what they were doing. And I told our whole team, I was like, look, if we go to this and it's too overwhelming for you, then we're going to rethink the process. But let's just go with an open mind and take a look. And then we'll come back and we'll debrief and maybe we'll have some ideas for at least some lessons, right? So we go and everybody sees arts integration in action and their wheels start turning like, oh, I could do that or... I would do some modifications here, but I could definitely handle what she was showing. So that was so much more powerful to be able to see it in action rather than just talk about it or read about it. And I'm not saying don't do those things. Absolutely, you should. And there are wonderful books out there that you can use as a supplement. But when you start, show them. Now, how do you do that? All right. So if you don't have an arts integration school near you, which there are lots of places where that does not exist, start with arts strategies first. And if you need help finding arts strategies or videos of arts strategies, go to the Institute site and head over to the strategies area. I've got you. You can pick any arts area, visual art, dance, music, anything you want. Start with a strategy and show it to them using the videos. Introduce it during a staff meeting because a strategy is just that. It's not intimidating and it's like five or 10 minutes. It's not supposed to take a long time. This is not an hour. It's not a full lesson. It's a strategy. And I always start with see, think, wonder. It's a project zero strategy. You look at an image and you ask them, what do you see? They list everything that they see and it gets them and make sure it's really, really concrete. Nobody's making any assumptions. And then what do you think about this? What do you think about the image? What do you think is going on here? And then what do you wonder? What questions do you have about it? Um, This is an amazing strategy to start with with visual art, especially when people say, I can't draw or I can't paint or I can't do art. I'm not a good artist because everybody can look at something and everybody can observe it and talk about what they see, think and wonder. Right. You can also do it with music and have them play a piece like what do you hear? What do you think? What do you wonder? 
You can do it with a piece of dance. There's so many different ways you could leverage that strategy and it's quick. They can immediately use it in their classroom and see an impact. That is what you wanna do first when you're trying to build buy-in. You wanna start with showing people something first and then work into the theory behind it and the why and the research and how other people are doing it. Because human beings need to be able to visually and orally and kinesthetically connect with something, right? The minute that they can do that, and then you give them an action step. You've got to say, okay, now I've taken you through the strategy. Now I want you to put this into place in your next lesson. And the next time we come back, talk to me about it. Or I'm going to check in with your students in like two weeks and find out if you've been using that strategy and ask them what they thought about it. And then be able to bring that feedback back to the teachers. Because again, that gets that momentum going very quickly. The other piece about momentum is that consistency matters. It doesn't matter if you commit to doing two arts integration lessons a year for people in your building or using one art strategy from each area this year. That's small, right? It's tiny. But the fact that you do it and that you're intentional about it and you're consistent, that matters. Um, because if you're, if you're inconsistent, so let's say that you have a faculty meeting that addresses it once and then you don't touch it again until spring because, you know, we ran out of time or we had to bump this, or we had to move that, right? This happens. We get it. But you have to have consistency in it because if people see that it comes back and it's like that penny that keeps popping up, they're going to know that this is not a one and done kind of strategy, right? That we are really committed to this and that I need to get on board. But people aren't going to come on board right away. We are in an overload of all the new stuff that's coming at us every year. Like, oh, this year we're trying to do PBL and social emotional learning and oh yeah, there's a pandemic, right? So <laughs> so when you try to introduce arts integration, people are going to be like, yeah, okay, that's just the flavor of the month. They're not going to come on board until they see that there's some sort of consistent action happening over time and that you're there supporting them, cheering them on, celebrating that, right? So start with strategies first, show them the power of this, don't just talk about it. And that is going to lead you into building in the buy-in and not having to wait for permission from others. So before we move into mistake number two, I want you to think, what is one way that you can build excitement for arts integration with your staff, with your building? And even if it's just one other teacher, what's one way that you could build excitement for this approach? All right, moving on. Mistake number two, trying to carve out extra time to do arts integration, right? Nobody has time. There is never enough time, never, ever, ever, especially when it comes to schools. We have way too much to cover, not enough time to get through it, and it's like we're always running after our tails. And that's in a good year. That's in a year when we're not all trying to also figure out virtual learning, right? So here's the thing. If you're going to try to carve out more time when you don't have enough to start with, you are starting from less than zero. So you can't think about it that way. You can't think about, like, how do we carve out time for arts integration? Instead, you want to shift your mindset and think about how can we maximize our time? How can we make the most of what we have? So here's a couple of tips for that. First of all, be intentional and write it down. Because if it's not written down, it's not going to happen. So what does that mean? That means decide today. I'm going to commit to one arts integration lesson this spring just to start. Or I'm going to commit to two arts integration lessons per quarter. Whatever it is, whatever, wherever you are on your journey, think about it that way. And then think about, what am I, when am I going to do it? Write it down. I'm going to do it on the week of April 15th. Or I'm going to do it the week of May 12th. Whatever it is. 
so that you know to yourself you've committed to this. When it's written down, it happens. So if you don't write it, it's just in your brain and it gives you a chance to kind of kick the can. The other part is to maximize your time, I want you to think about two to four areas in your curriculum where your students struggle, where every single time you get to that lesson, your stomach drops because you know it's going to take three times as long to get through that lesson than anything else you do because your students just don't get it and it's frustrating. They're like, I don't get this. I want to pull my hair out. I'm so frustrated. Think about those areas. You know that you have them. Think about what they are. And then what I want you to do is think about replacing those those old, stale, crusty lessons that everybody hates with an arts integration lesson instead. Because here's what happens. In an arts integration lesson, you're connecting two standards intentionally. You might be connecting an ELA standard and an art standard or a math standard and a music standard, right? You're connecting these pieces. As teachers, you and I both know this. While we focus on those two in a lesson, you're going to hit way more than just those two focal standards, right? Because when you're talking about fractions, you might also be taking a look at decimals, or you might actually be looking at all the other things that lead up to that lesson in fractions, because it builds upon itself in our curriculum. So you're never just hitting those two. You're going to hit a combined amount of standards when you do this lesson. And because you would have typically three lessons to get through something in this area of struggle, now you can replace it with one lesson that is engaging and exciting for students. It's a totally new way to look at it, and they're going to have more success with it. So that actually takes you less time, right? That's where I want you to take a look. It's not about adding an arts integration in, because you don't have time to add anything in. It's about replacing what's not working, replace what's broken with an arts integration lesson. The other thing I want you to think about is putting your own creativity muscles to work. Sometimes we look at things the way that they are and think that we can't change it, but that's not necessarily true. So for instance, in your schedule, if you're thinking about how do I collaborate with other teachers, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but how do I get that done? How do I arrange my time? I can't change my schedule. Well, no, but you can take a look at maybe having your team get together with art specialists and bringing in two whole substitutes for an hour and asking your admin to support that, one to cover your team's group and one to cover the arts teachers that you're meeting with. And maybe you have the library come in and do a presentation during that hour so that you can sit with the art specialists for a dedicated period of time and knock out two or three lesson ideas with them. That's a totally different way to look at your schedule than maybe you'd considered before. There are lots of creative ways to adjust our schedules, to think about planning together, to consider where to place things in our curriculum. So be thinking creatively yourself. Now, I'm going to recommend a book to you called The Blue Ocean Strategy. The Blue Ocean Strategy is a way to break out of the typical thinking that we all get stuck in and to rethink something from a totally different angle that you didn't understand about or know about before. Like, what's that saying? Um, you don't know what you don't know, right? The blue ocean strategy helps you figure out what it is that you don't know and adjust your thinking. So definitely take a look at that book. When it comes to collaborative planning, again, a huge time suck for a lot of us, um, that collaborative planning process, but it's so important, right? Um, the blue ocean strategy really helped me to rethink the idea of collaborative planning because typically... When classroom teachers are teaching, the arts teachers either have planning time or they're with somebody else. Or if the classroom teachers have time available, that's when the arts teachers are working with their classes, right? Our schedules in and of themselves don't lend themselves to arts integration in general. So one of the things I like to do for collaborative planning is actually do a pre-planning matrix so that when we can find some time to collaboratively plan, even if it's just digital, 
Um, <laughs> even if it's in the hallway or in an email or on a Zoom, whatever, whatever we can get that time, right? You can use it effectively because you've done some of the work ahead of time. The pre-planning matrix actually helps you front load a lot of the work. So the pre-planning matrix is something that you use individually, right? It works where the individual teacher creates this for themselves. So let's say I'm a fourth grade teacher and I want to collaborate with the art teacher and I have this lesson idea for, I don't know, dance, right? Or using perhaps um, connecting art with fractions, okay? Um, I don't quite know how I want to go about that, but I know that there's lots of art out there that has the images of fractions in it, right? Um, what does that look like? So I'm going to fill out my standard. What standard would I address in the math content area? I'm going to leave the, the arts area blank for now because I can't fill that in. I don't know that standard, right? Um, but I know what standard it is that I want to focus on with fractions, right? Then I'm going to think about what vocabulary do I want them to be using so to be able to talk about this and write those words down because that might be a place where you and the art teacher could connect. There could be crossover vocabulary, right? Um, there are these kind of markers in there like what do I want my students to be able to accomplish in this lesson? At the end of the lesson, what do I want to know? Uh, and the arts teacher side is going to have their side be blank for right now because, again, you're just filling it out from the perspective of the fourth grade teacher. You give the same document over to the arts teacher and they fill in their side individually, right? Like if you're looking at fractions, what is an artist that uses fractions in their work, right? Um, so Mondrian is a very typical artist that we look at for that. Uh, so if I'm the art teacher, I might write in, oh, Mondrian would be perfect for this. And here's the art standard that we, that we would use when we were looking at artwork like that. Um, and it might've been last year, but that could certainly circle back. And what would be an outcome from the art side that I would look at? Well, I would want to know, do students understand the basic color tenants and how uh, Mondrian used color using fractions in order to demonstrate um, certain principles, right? That's what I would want to know as the art teacher. See how that's just a little different? You're both coming at it from your own individual unique way. Then you get together. And that's when the collaborative planning happens. You look at your individual uh, plan sheets and you look for crossover. Like how could this lesson evolve? What could we get together from this? And sometimes you're gonna find there's not really a lot of crossover and that this would have been a really difficult arts integration lesson to pull together because it's just not a natural fit. So this saves you a lot of time, a lot of effort, just by rethinking your planning period, right? So again, I think when you're able to rethink how time could work for you, time becomes less of an excuse and more of an opportunity. All right, mistake number three, you don't know your audience. Now that sounds a little harsh, but here's what I mean by that. Arts integration happens on a continuum. It doesn't happen at the highest level right away. And people are in a lot of different stages, right? So. I'm sure you listening, some of you are have been using arts integration for 20 years and you're all the way over on the right side of the scale, full arts integration all the time. And some of you are just getting started and are excited about the process, right? So you might be towards the left side of the continuum and you need to be able to understand where you are in order to know where you need to go next, right? Because you don't want to go, if you're on the, the far left of the continuum and there are five stages here, you don't want to have to jump all the way from the, the left side, the first stage, all the way over to arts integration. That's going to be too big of a jump, 
right? So let's talk about the stages on this continuum so that you can figure out where you are, right? Um, so the first level is enhancement. And that's where one area is used to support or service another in a lesson. This is where those cute craft projects come in, like the shadow boxes that demonstrate the planets for a science lesson. Are they adorable? Yes. Are they visually beautiful? Yes. But what art standard did you use and did you focus on it when you were creating it? Probably not. So that means that the art would be used in service of the main lesson, main lesson being science, right? That's arts enhancement. There's also little to no discussion between the content and fine arts area teachers about the lesson. Now, listen, when I tell you this, there is nothing wrong with arts enhancement. In fact, most people start with enhancement and understanding that that's where people start and telling them that's okay, that's huge. That allows people to feel like, okay, I'm at this level and I understand that. Then we have theme-based, which is where the lesson is based on a theme that's common between two areas. There could be some discussion surrounding the theme alignment between the teachers about the lesson, but there's still no standards alignment going on, right? Um, we're looking at a common theme that could go on, like transformation. Maybe that's metamorphosis in science, and maybe it's transforming shapes in visual art. Same theme, but we're not necessarily looking at standards alignment yet. Middle of the road on this continuum is inquiry-driven, which is where the lesson in both areas centers around an essential question, so we're getting closer. We might have the same theme, but we're looking around that inquiry piece of a crucial essential question that connects to both areas. There's also some discussion and planning around those essential questions for both content and fine arts teachers in the lesson and possibly some lesson collaboration. That's middle of the road on that continuum. Now for a co-taught lesson, the lesson is co-taught by the content teachers in two or more areas. That might look like part of the lesson is done in the math classroom, part of the lesson is done in the music classroom could go back and forth, right? It could be that the music teacher and the math teacher are teaching the lesson together in one of their rooms. There's a lot of different ways that co-taught can look, but a co-taught lesson is where the teachers are intentionally coming together in lesson design and implementation. The planning occurs between both teachers and portions of the lesson can be taught in each content area separately. Remember, you're trying to get that foundational stuff first and then pull it together. And that's where a co-taught lesson works really well. And then we have full-fledged integration, where the lesson is co-planned by two teachers, the content teachers and the fine arts teachers. It's grounded in equitably teaching and assessing standards in both areas. The plan um, occurs between both teachers. The lesson could be co-taught or individually taught. That doesn't really matter, but it best serves the students in the lesson, right? I can quickly and very easily tell whether teachers are really focused on integration by asking them, what standard in the content area are you focusing on? And are you addressing that standard? And are you doing so equitably? That's how I can tell if it's really integrated. Now, I'm telling you right now, everybody is at different places on this continuum at different times during the year and at different times during their lessons. Sometimes it's more appropriate to use arts integration. Sometimes it's more appropriate to use theme-based instruction, right? So it's really a matter of knowing where you are on the continuum. Now, if you're thinking about that continuum, my guess is that you were thinking about this, imagining this like a ladder, and you were going up step by step by step, right? I want you to imagine taking that ladder and flipping it on its side, all right? So that arts enhancement is on the left and arts integration is on the far right, and in between you have this continuum. That's important because one is not greater than the other. You just have to know where you are, right? And so 
being able to identify that for yourself and being able to identify it for others is really important because then it's not a matter of you're doing it right or wrong. It's a matter of where are we on this continuum, right? And to jump from one to another is really challenging if you don't go to the steps in between. So my recommendation is to go back and give this continuum, kind of sketch out this continuum for them and share information with your other teachers. Like, where do you feel like we fall? So that everybody does a little self-assessment and you've got a really good understanding of where they are and how you can best help them move forward, right? So think about the teachers in your building. Think about yourself. Where do you think that you fall and where do you think that most other people fall, right? Now you have an understanding of your audience and when you know where they are, then you can help them. All right, mistake number four, planning without expecting chaos. We all plan with the very best of intentions. We plan thinking that it's going to go beautifully and that we have this wonderful utopian vision in our brain of how this amazing lesson is going to go. And then it all falls to pieces, my friends, because it always will. (laughs) Understand that chaos will happen. And arts integration is a beautiful mess. It is never a straight line. So it's important that we plan for that chaos. Here are some things that I know are going to get in the way of any kind of initiative that I'm working on with arts integration, right? First up, new initiatives and priorities or the unexpected, like a pandemic. Every year, there's gonna be something new or something that is unexpected. Let's accept that and move on, right? Understand that there's going to be a new initiative or priority or something that happens and that we're gonna have to deal with it and that we're going to have to adjust and bring in something around that new initiative or unexpected event. You've got to be thinking about that all the time because arts integration is an approach. It's not a curriculum in and of itself. It's something that works when it's appropriate. So if your school next year brings in, you know, social emotional learning or project-based learning or whatever, and you've been focusing on arts integration for yourself, well, then you've got to pivot a little bit and think about, okay, how would I bring in something like PBL into my arts integration lesson focus, right? So... Um, when you're also thinking about social emotional learning, how can I use the umbrella of social emotional learning with arts integration strategies? So many possibilities there. So knowing that, being able to anticipate that and think about how does arts integration fit in with it? Does it? If it does, can we ask some additional questions around that? How can we make it easier? How can I show connections without having it be one more thing? That's important. Also, you're going to need to expect that you're going to get pushback from others, teachers, admin, parents, community. It doesn't matter. You're going to get pushback because people don't understand it right away. Sometimes people are going to say, why are you spending all your time creating these crafts when I need you to teach my kid how to read, right? You have to understand that people don't get it right away and that you're going to need to do some advocacy work up front. You're going to need to be thinking about how can we showcase why this is important? What do I need to add or share in our building to make it visible? How do I do this online with parents? How do I help people understand that this is something meaningful for our students and helps them with 21st century skills? You're also going to see that people don't know where to find standards or how to align standards or heck, what standards are. I've walked into buildings assuming that everybody knew their standards, their own, and ready to teach them how to align with others just to find out that people didn't even know where to find their own standards. And that is no judgment. It's just that as teachers, we're overwhelmed and we're overworked and we have a lot on our plates and we typically have a curriculum that shares those things with us, right? So when we're talking about arts integration and alignment of standards, 
people may not know where their standards are, much less how to align them. Maybe you don't know where your standards are. And again, no judgment. You have a lot on your plate and typically the standards are already provided for you in your curriculum. My point though, is that you've gotta know that standards alignment is a big part of this process and you gotta be ready for it, right? Make it easy for yourself and others. Give them a place, a digital hub, maybe a Google doc with links. Here's where you can find the set of standards. Here's where you can find the set of art standards and here's where you can find the science standards to make it super easy for people. You're gonna have pushback or chaos around assessment. Assessments is a whole other topic, right? We've done, I've done entire webinars before on assessment because it's the first thing that people get really nervous about with arts integration and STEAM. How do I assess something that I'm not a master teacher in? You've gotta be ready for that. And you gotta be able to answer that question. So my typical answer, my first response is always that assessment and evaluation are different. Evaluation is a judgment and assessment is a measurement of growth. I can measure growth from beginning to end in any area, but I'm not qualified to provide judgment of mastery for English language arts because that's not where my degree is. So I wouldn't feel comfortable with providing an evaluation, but I could provide an assessment. Being ready with responses like this, right? That gives them an example, shows them what it looks like. That's really important. Um, being prepared for those conversations, kind of thinking about what are some of the roadblocks that are gonna get in my way and how could I overcome them? ahead of time, that's important. Also, be ready for lesson flops. We have all had lessons that look beautiful on paper, and then when you put them in the classroom, they just absolutely fall apart. That's normal, and it's a great learning experience for both your students and for yourself to show students, you know what? We tried something different, it didn't work. Now, why didn't it work? Let's dive into this question. Where did it fall apart? Because then they can see that you're modeling exactly the kind of growth mindset that you're looking for from them. And finally, be aware that staff changes are gonna happen. And every time that you have new staff on board, there's gonna be an adjustment period where you're going to have to train some new staff. You're gonna to have to give them some information or you're gonna to have to bring them back on board. Again, I would recommend having an area set aside, whether it's digital or like a manual of some sort. I really hate saying manual, it feels 20th century, but have a hub of some sort that gives people a general understanding of what it is and provides them with just enough PD that they can wrap their minds around it and get started and they don't feel like they're constantly playing catch up. Because that's what happens, right? You bring a new person on board and they feel like they've gotta become a part of the school community and catch up on the curriculum that's maybe different from the way that they've taught before. So being proactive and getting ahead of that is helpful. So your action step for mistake number four. What chaos can you plan for now? Thinking back to all of what I just shared, but also what you know is going on with your school right now, what chaos can you plan for now? And what do you need to be prepared? Write it down. Pause this podcast and write it down. What are some things that you need to be prepared for? Is it digital place that you can set up like the Google Classroom or a Google Doc or a place or a portfolio of some sort, a Flipgrid or anything? What do you need to get together and get prepared to plan for the chaos that you know is going to come? That is gonna save you a ton of time and a lot of overwhelm. And mistake number five. This is the one that I do every single day, my friends. I still make this mistake every day. Trying to do too much at once. If you were to take a look at my calendar right now for this week, you would either cry or laugh because there's no way I'm gonna get through everything that has on my calendar. I know, I know for a fact that you do the same thing too. Everybody in my office laughs at me. They literally come over to my desk and look at my calendar and they're like, yeah, this is Susan's standard time. You're crazy. This is ridiculous. We all try to pack too much in 
all at the same time. And it's a huge mistake because what happens is that by trying to do everything all at once, right? We do all this stuff, we, we do nothing well. You end up dropping the ball on a lot of things. And then it becomes more chaos for you and you have no time and there's no planning. And before you know it, you're all the way back down to ground zero. So here's what I recommend for you for this. My first tip is to start small to grow tall. Pick just two standards to start with. Don't try to create a whole new curriculum for your team in a summer. That's nuts. Just don't do that. I, and I say it laughingly because I've tried it, right? <laughs> I've, it's taken us a year to write, to rewrite our curriculum or our, our lesson packs. And um, when we're, we're still working on it, right? We're still flushing through some of those pieces. So start small. Just pick two standards to start and one arts integration lesson seed. That is more than okay. Also, use a 90-day plan. I can't tell you how many times this has saved me. So here's how a 90-day plan works. You start with your focus area, right? You can pick three total focus areas to start with for 90 days. So that's three months, one per month. Um, you can spread it out however you want, but think about one priority for each uh, 30 days. So maybe my priority is focusing on um, getting my lessons up on Google Slides for my students. Um, my priority two is writing an arts integration lesson. And my third priority is to make sure that I fold laundry every single week, right? Um, <laughs> so those are my three priorities. And I'm going to focus on um, each priority for 30 days, or I might focus on each one each week. Split it up how you want. But what is going to be the criteria of success for each of those priority areas, right? So maybe focus area one um, for those Google Slides, your... Um, your action step, how you know you're going to have criteria for success is knowing that you have four slide decks done, ready to go, and your students have them in their Google Classroom, right? That is your criteria for success. So you got to make sure that you specify, how do I know that I've achieved this, right? Having those very specific focus areas for a very specific set of time with a very specific criteria for success is going to get you momentum and action that you haven't seen before right? So taking those steps, making sure that you have that 90-day plan in, in action, it's so helpful because I am a person who gets overwhelmed and stressed very easily. And I have to remind myself, go back to your 90-day plan. Stress and overwhelm are choices. So if we can find pieces like this sprint plan, like this 90-day plan for ourselves to make that easier to break it down and use it, do it, right? Make a new choice because you don't have to be overwhelmed. Also, to help with that overwhelm, have a ready-made resource available, like a topic list, driving questions, a lesson bank, assessment possibilities. Get started on that. Maybe that is part of your 90-day plan. Maybe it's one of the things you want to work on is having some ready-made resources available. And I would be remiss if I didn't remind you that we have ready-made resources available with lessons and assessments and all of that good stuff over in the accelerator for our members. So if you have not checked that out, definitely go do so. Now, now that you've listened to this entire episode and your head is spinning, you're normal. <laughs> That's a lot to take in. And honestly, if you're going to try and implement all of this yourself, I think you're setting yourself up for a rough road. This is the biggest lesson I've had to learn. Don't do it alone. Arts integration is inherently a collaborative process, and there are so many places to get lost. You need to have support in this process. And so whether that's through our arts integration certification program, which gives you a cohort and a coach, 
or bringing in strategic professional development or having a resource bank that you all do together as a team, you need to have people there who have been through this process and can help you sidestep some of the overwhelm. Additionally, don't sell yourself short. Now, I know our method of arts integration, what I have described is intensive, but it also works. There are lots of variations of being in the realm of arts integration out there, and I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. They're nice, but they're not gonna get you the results that you're looking for. Using arts integration strategies does increase engagement, and that's great. But how does that transfer to deeper learning and supporting teacher and student success in the long term? Some of the best research I have found has shown that the biggest gains for students happen with arts integration that is aligned to standards, teaches both content areas equitably, and intentionally assesses both areas. That's way more than simple strategies or a one-off lesson. And trying to do that on your own is really challenging, so I'd highly encourage you to find the support you need and advocate for your school or district to invest in it. So that's it for me today. It's been a long one, but a, such a good one. Thank you so much for joining me and for investing your time learning about how to bring more creativity into your classroom. Now I'd love to hear what ideas are churning for you. Remember, you can ask, you can use the Ask Me Anything button on the podcast page to share with me your ideas and what's bubbling to the surface for you. Just head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers and you'll find today's show notes, contact area, and links for more resources. And if you're enjoying the show and know somebody who could benefit from our discussions, please share the podcast with them because together we can chase the spark of our ideas and make a brighter future for everyone. I'll see you soon. Well, check that off your list, my friend. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon.